right? We're all laboring for the work of God and for our families, our individual lives, the future. We're all pressing into something, and it requires a pressing in, right? You know, it's, it's uh, the kingdom of heaven isn't magic or um, haphazard, right? It requires, that's what Jesus was teaching, and he points his generation and every generation to follow to John the Baptist as a model of the type of ardent zeal that's necessary to enter this kingdom. <coughs> That's pretty serious. I've just been looking at that more, saying, man, you know, I, I'm saying, Lord, rattle, rattle my bones here. And, and he's doing that little by little. And that's one of my own prayers in this season is rattle me. And I, I feel a different thing in my life in this hour that can't be contrived. You know, I've tried to contrive it. But the Lord does alert you, and he will put an alarm in your heart that starts to ring. <laughs> and it's not flesh. It's not um, selfish motivation, right? It's born of God. He starts to do something in you that you could never do in you, and it, it'll produce fruit. It's grace. And I'm asking for more of that. I, I want to be awake. I, I have so much going on inside of me, um, but I want to be alert for the rest of my life. I don't want to go to sleep on the Lord. I don't want to go to sleep on his kingdom. I don't want to be disinterested or indifferent to the Messiah, to the Lord. <laughs> you know, and, and I've been there at different times and my own weakness and just how easy it is to just get weary or just kind of kick back and coast in this thing called Christianity. That is so easy, right? We all know how easy it is. I'm saying, Lord, make it dis-easy for me, uneasy. Alert me, awaken me, mo release spiritual motivation in my life that's from above that's not contrived, a grace that would carry me into the future. I'm asking God for grace to carry me into the future, the wings of eagles, that I would run and not get weary and walk and not faint. That's what I'm praying for and so much more. But uh, I want to keep in step with the Spirit and just what Pastor Wesley has been bringing about spiritual maturity and full development of Christ's church and just kind of come at this from some different angles that are personal to me and very relevant for the time and the way I'm praying and things I'm talking to the Lord about and studying and scripture. And so I just want to kind of continue with that over the next few weeks. And um, some of this is really challenging to me over and over again to look at some of these passages in scripture that we don't look at enough and even contextually I'll just I'll say it for myself I don't look at enough there was a season where I looked at these passages a lot and it was like seed getting into me and I just feel like in this time God's watering that more and more have you ever done that like felt like you were in a season 
of allowing God to sow seed in you, right? And then it's almost like that season goes away and you're like, man, you know, what's going on here? Like I was gripped for these passages and I don't feel gripped anymore though they're in me and I know them and I believe them. And like years can go by and then God at the right time season in your life pours his spirit on that, his water on that seed and it starts to grow and change your life, right? It's like that. We're in seasons in God. He's fathering us. He's maturing us. And uh, so he's watering some of these thoughts in this season. And so to begin with, um, let's just pray real quick. I'm just distracted by prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. Um, Teach me to pray (laughs) more and more. Lord, that you would release the spirit of prayer in our lives. God, the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ, that you would restore our first love, our first affection, day one affections, being born again, born from above, born of the Spirit, made alive together with Christ, opened to a new and living way through the veil of his flesh, The day I believed on Jesus and wept with tears, the Lord melted my heart. I wept with tears of broken love before him. And Lord, that you would restore our first love, our first passions, our first zeal, the simplicity, the purity of devotion to Jesus, God. Restore the secret place of our life, God, the intimacy the inner life with God, the seeking and and inquiring of Him in His temple, the beholding of His beauty and glory, being captured by Jesus afresh, Lord. Would You restore that in us, God? Bring us to maturity before You. Bring us to blamelessness in love before You, Lord, that we would just even be born again again, that we would fall in love all over again, Lord, in these hours of history, Lord. Awaken us. Awaken desire within us. Awaken desire within us like only you can, Lord. We can't do this thing, but you can, so come. Amen. So I have a few topics of maturity that I'm going to hit over the next few weeks. Today I want to talk about maturity and faith. Next week I want to hit maturity and love. And then the following week, uh, maturity and glory. These faith, love, and glory, which, you know, in the scriptures we're going to go through some of this stuff and just see, you know, that the maturity of the church Globally, the church coming to maturity, becoming Jesus' wife who's ready to marry him, is connected to these three things very specifically. These are uh, broader scale things. Just seeing this big storyline of God from Genesis to Revelation, right? Because he's the beginning and the end. He's the author, author and the finisher. And what he began, what he said he would do in Genesis... Stu prayed this this morning. What he said he would do, he began doing, he continued at the cross, and he's going to bring a final death blow to Satan and all of his hosts one day. That's the promise. (laughs) 
capital P, that he'll come again, he'll rule and reign this earth, and he will forever banish Satan and his hosts to a lake of fire forever and ever, the scripture says, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. I remember when I moved back to Maine 12 years ago, Revelation uh, uh, chapter 20, I believe, verse 10, I believe, is that verse. And I stared at that verse for years as the enemy was tormenting me. And God used that verse to bring me to a place of freedom from torment and depression. Staring at that verse saying, oh my God, he think he has me in rough shape? He's going to be in real rough shape when Jesus fulfills that promise. And forever we will glory in Jesus for what he alone could do. And we will watch him. The saints will watch Jesus forever banish their adversary and break the power of death. Scripture says sorrow and sighing will flee away. Death will be no more. Profound. He will, he will bring forth a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's our homeland. That's my homeland. That's the country of our own in Hebrews 11. It's not here. It's not now. It's then. It's later. It's future. And it has everything to do with me having a maturity in my life now that would motivate and cause me to live the way he wishes for me to be living in this life. Right? That's what he says. But it's, it's, you know, there's different dynamics to our faith, right? There's, there's the prayer of faith Jesus taught on that can move mountains. There's a gift of faith to work miracles, 1 Corinthians 12. There's a prayer of faith for salvation. And then there's Wednesday night, the faith, the way of life in Christ that he has given to us and called us to, to conform our lives to. Faith, a way of life. And then there's a future reality of our faith that matters for us here and now. In fact, it's inseparable from what we do Wednesday nights. You know, it's kind of like, why even do all this? To have a cute program or a nice church, right? I say this a lot, or just kind of get along, high five. Why do that in the first place? Why reorder my life? For what? So I can be happier now? No. Because if I really reorder my life, there might be times where that false joy and happiness perishes and I find true everlasting joy in Christ. <laughs> Something that's connected to the future. Not, not my future in this life. My future when he raises me from the dead. And I forever live with the Lord. That's profound. And I'm not going deep on this because I'm just kind of like, drinking from the little drip of these ideas and paradigms, but my passion and my desperate cry for years has been, God, please don't let me forsake your day. Don't let me live my whole life in this age and not really look at that day that matters most to you when you receive me and us as a cherished bride who's been perfected in love 
and washed in the water of the word and brought to full maturity in Ephesians 4 and 5. That's profound. That's what ministry is unto. It's unto the church marrying Jesus. Not having a better life now. Not just getting along and doing things good and orderly. It's unto an eternal reality that we're just scratching the surface of at times. But when, I, when my fingernail just scratches the surface, it's enough in this age. In my weakness to provoke me. Right? When I just hear a little whisper of, oh my God, the resurrection from the dead, which, by the way, is an elementary principle of my faith in Hebrews chapter 6, when I hear a little whisper of the judgment seat of Christ, an elementary principle in Hebrews chapter 6, there's times I weep, I say, oh my God, the resurrection from the dead, the inheritance of a glorified body that Paul teaches very clearly that I will, part of my eternal inheritance is receiving a body in the likeness of His glory that will never perish. My back pains will never come back again. They can't. It's impossible because mortality will be swallowed up by life. What's temporal will be engulfed permanently by everlasting glory and life and well-being. That's profound. And those two things strike me over and over again. And in this hour, I'm just letting it out because I don't have anything else to say right now because it's all he's saying to me is, are you connected to these realities, Joseph? You want to be motivated in your generation? You want your marriage healthy and matured? Connect to these two ones right here. Face the reality that this age is a vapor and time is ticking and the hour is short. The hour was short in the first century church, let alone the 21st century church. Come on. I'm, I'm preaching to me. And I'm just saying, my God, connect me to these permanent realities that I'm accountable to and let them move me unto maturity. Because I can pull off Wednesday night without that and live a good life now without really facing the ultimate day when I stand before Him and meet the Messiah. When I meet Him in His glorified body and in my glorified body. And what was is no more, the Scripture says. Wow, that's profound. And I'm just saying to me, do I even think that way enough to really matter here and now? And I want the answer to be yes. I want the answer to be yes. I want to love His appearing. Right? I want to love Jesus with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength. I can't even do that in this life only. It's impossible. It has to do with Loving him and his appearing, Paul teaches this. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with all those who love his appearing. Amazing. Paul was pointing the church over and over again in all of the epistles, I think except Philemon, or however you say his name, speaks 
of this reality and that it's connected to us now and it matters for Ephesians 5 to actually take place. That that is the, the reflective reality that's shining on me now and causing me to actually even care to do things differently. Because it's, it really matters because I'll give account for it and if I'm faithful to it, I'll receive a rich reward for it. And if I'm unfaithful to it, I could suffer loss, though I'm saved with a resurrected body. Talk about mercy. That I could, I could just skim through Christianity. Well, I'm not going to say I could. But the scripture says many will. And it's on me. It's, it's not on him. He did everything he could do. And now he's called me to do everything I can do. To honor and love him and be obedient to him and give my entire life, marriage, family, business, ministry, footsteps to him. Because he's worth it. And do I know he's worth it? That day I will know. And he prefers I know it now. He prefers that day moves me now so I don't stand before him and say, oh yeah, I remember reading about this, but... I wasn't interested. Yeah, I remember the day of the Lord thing. Oh, yeah, I remember Jesus is worthy of a bride without spot or wrinkle. Yeah, I remember that one. And ha never really let it shape me so that I stand receiving a rich reward. Right? And this is those two principles that are in the Bible that strike us. And they're, they're, they are striking. It's like you read Hebrews 6 and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh. The resurrection from the dead, that's kind of weird. Eternal judgment, I don't like that word. <laughs> right? And, and that's common, and that's understandable. But Jesus wants us connected to those two things because they matter now, and they are primary motivators for our life now. That if I really will stand before him and give account for my life, if I really know that and believe that, I'm going to change the way I think, the way I do marriage, family, church, ministry, business, my time. I'm going to shift it into accord so that it's honorable to him. If I really believe, I'll be rewarded one day for it. So, amen. I want to talk about Hebrews 11 in that context. Hebrews chapter 11. I don't want to go too long because I know we're overboard today. If I have to continue next week, that's fine. But I want to hit this real quick. Hebrews chapter 11. Actually, I want to start in Hebrews chapter 10. Because this is one of those chapter divides that is striking. And some, I want to just... You know, if some of the if some of the things I have to say in these times are offensive or hard, man, I'm hearing them, and I gotta say them because they're real and they do matter. And it's not judgment or criticism; it's truthfulness and honesty. I'm accountable. I feel so accountable in these times to even minister the word. 
right? That's serious stuff. I don't want to, um, granted we're growing, but I don't want to hide the Bible from Christians any longer. Like, for real, I'm guilty of that. I've told you this many times. I've gotten the fear of man under my feet. I'm done hiding Christianity from Christians. I'm done hiding Bible passages from believers. I'm accountable. I'll stand before God. And he says, you're ashamed of me before men. I'll be ashamed of you before my father. We don't like that verse either. Guys, this is the Bible. It's red letters. I can't get away from it. You can try, but you can't. But I can't get away from it anymore. I don't want to be ashamed of Jesus or this gospel any longer. This is an eternal gospel. It has eternal ramifications, implications. It matters for eternity. It matters when I'm resurrected and I share in the body of his glory. It matters for my reward and whether or not I rule and reign with him and what life looks like for me after the resurrection. This is, the, this is plain Christianity. This is serious stuff. And I'm saying it to myself all over again. So Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 35, into chapter 11. So here's the context for Hebrews 11. Now we can take Hebrews 11 and teach many things, and rightly so. But, and, I want to be contextual with this. I want to be true to the context. So... Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, 38. It says, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Wow, reward, there it is. Automatically, we have been taught predominantly in our culture, when we hear reward, we think here and now. We think, oh yeah, more blessing on my finance, more blessing on my stuff, friendships, business, ministry, you know, we think that way, and that's true. The gospel holds promise and blessing for this life. But let's look at this here, verse 37. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come, and he will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. Maturity and faith. And if he shrinks back or departs, I will have no pleasure in him, but we are not of those. We are certainly not called to be of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who hold our faith to the salvation of our soul. Now faith in this age, right, is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things that are not yet seen or visible to us. So verse 37 and 38 is the context of that statement. We don't see him yet. We see him at the right hand by faith, but he hasn't come yet, but he is coming, right? And my faith must be anchored in that reality, especially as we approach more and more the things Jesus spoke of. Christianity isn't getting easier. It's going to get far more complicated when red letters start happening even more than they already are. Joseph, I'm preaching to me. It's going to be real complicated and costly for Alexandra to be a Christian even in this nation 
in her generation. It's going to be real tough. It's going to cost her because the gospel is growing. The kingdom is like leaven. This thing's going to come to full maturity. You mean, you mean the church is going to, weak believers like us are going to come to full maturity? Alexandra is going to be responsible to grow in full maturity of faith, looking to that future day and living now in light of it as a representative of it. And if she forsakes that day, she'll have no real reason to live holy now. She'll have no real reason to live in the kingdom of God now. It'll move her and motivate her beyond the spirit of this age and all the seductions therein. <laughs> She'll be gripped and impassioned by something far more transcendent than this age, number one. So she'll be lovesick, I hope and pray. I'm going to raise her to be so. And number two, in the face of a world that's coming to maturity also. Because that's what Jesus taught. He says, yeah, the church is going to come to maturity. Bride without spot or wrinkle, full of the glory of God, demonstrating my kingdom at the expense of her own life. And it's the expense of her own life that's the real issue. And the reason it's going to cost Christians their lives, whether they live or die, more and more as we go on, is because this age is also coming to maturity in its ways. It's called darkness. It's called wickedness. It's called unrighteousness. It's called Romans chapter 1 all over again. The maturation of humanity separated from God. You look at Romans 1, it's terrifying, and guess what? It's happening right now. You read Romans 1, it's right now. We're in it. Jesus said, this will be like the days of Noah. That was the days of Noah. Romans 1, that's the reference. Genesis chapter 6. This stuff is serious. And it's happening right now. And the earth is ripening unto maturity of wickedness and godlessness and being haters of God. And here's the great dilemma, even greater dilemma than that, if there is such a thing, is that much of this dynamic in Romans 1 that you read that's happening right now in this generation, much of it is being done in Jesus' name. It's being endorsed by Jesus' name. It's being endorsed with perverted Bible scriptures. It's being contorted, erased, copied, and pasted to approve of lawlessness. Degradations of humanity. Right now, this is happening. And I'm done looking the other way. I'm done looking the other way. These are signs of the times. <laughs> Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it, these men and women gained approval, found favor with God, were found pleasing to God. And it says that God bore testimony of them. Wow. We're all bearing testimony of God in some way, right? <laughs> How awesome he is. Flip the script. That's called eternal reward. These men and women were found Faithful to God. And he opens his mouth about them. Wow. Do you, does, that, does that even matter to us? Or, or doesn't it? That's a real biblical question. It's got to matter in this hour. It's got to matter. I've got to live higher. 
I need something moving me way higher than doing the right thing in your eyes. Way higher. Right? I've got to come way above regarding man in his praise or rejection. I, I can't regard either. And he can bring that confidence to our souls through repentance and faith in him and finding his love. I can find a security that's beyond what you feel about me. And it's not arrogance, it's purity. And it's the Lord dealing with the heart. I used to be ruled by what you think, right? Don't misunderstand that statement. <laughs> I'm accountable here. I'm accountable to people. Absolutely. And I receive feedback openly. And I will. So these men and women had faith in this day and you read this whole entire chapter and it explicitly tells us that these men and women are examples for us examples for the age of Christianity the church age all the way to that promise right there his coming and their whole lives were moved and motivated by receiving revelation through relationship with God and looking to this future day and honoring it. And they were brought to completion in their, in their faith. The chapter ends saying they haven't been perfected yet, but they will be. But God's waiting for the church, the new humanity, so that we're all perfected together. We're all resurrected together and brought to completion. That's serious stuff. And again, that's a... That's an elementary principle for us to grasp and look at some of these passages and say, huh, yeah, that is there. Okay, it's in Hebrews 6. Awesome. Let's touch on this. Let's, let's consider this piece of the gospel that's so important. It's so important for me. It's so important for you. Let's just read verse 13 to 16 and we'll end. I love these passages here. All these died in faith. I was talking with somebody recently and we were talking saying, you know, it doesn't say they all died. That'd be a bummer. The glory of the story is these men and women died in faith without receiving the promises. In their generation, they said, he's still coming and I'll go to sleep on it. Some of them were tortured to death, killed. Right? All these died in faith without receiving the promise. But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, right? They were looking to the distant future, which is far less distant for us. They were looking to this and welcoming it in their day in the Old Testament scriptures, you mean to tell me these men and women had revelation in part of the coming of the Lord, the final coming? Yes, that's what the scripture says. They were laboring for his coming, first but second. It, it goes on to tell us in greater detail. And having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Wow. We want to be motivated to lay our lives down for Jesus at all costs. We've got to stare at this future reality. That's what moved them to do this. 
They went about in the land of promise, not taking up residence. They forsook their lives, even then, in light of the eternal state, an eternal inheritance, eternal life. They said, there's something greater coming. He's coming. The kingdom's coming. And it's gripping us and affecting us now to be faithful to him and live as though it's coming in our day. And if it doesn't, we'll die believing and pass it on to the next generation. That's what Jude says, right? We're contending earnestly for the faith. And then he brings out Enoch's prophecy of the coming of the Lord, the faith. What faith? Being better people? No. Yes, but that's not the end of the story. The faith of the coming of the Lord. That this age is temporal and we have eternal promises that we are awaiting. And the more we grasp these eternal dimensions, the more they'll bear upon us with grace and move us now to maturity. This is serious. They confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things, <laughs> it's almost like the writer saying, man, this is an intense thing claim you mean you're he, you're in the world but not of it right john chapter 14 15 16 17 they were saying it then they're saying we're here but this isn't our homeland for those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own <laughs> listen they were eagerly awaiting the dynamics that much of the church has never faced, and they were eagerly awaiting it as examples that we are to live in eager expectation <laughs> of these things, these promises. Amazing. They're seeking a country of their own. We are citizens, right, of another kingdom, another age. We are citizens of heaven. And if they had been thinking of the country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. What an amazing statement. You know what that scripture says? It says they were so gripped and moved by these future covenantal promises of God that they turned and never looked back. They forsook their lives. Right? And Jesus uses Lot's wife as an example of looking back. But he says these men and women, they turned and they never went back. They were gripped. They saw. They believed. They had faith. They had faith anchored in eternity. In verse 16, as it is, they desire. That's an emotional heart reality right there. As it is, they desire a better country, a better world, a better age. The future age. Scripture calls it the age to come. That is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. Profound. Revelation chapter 21. <laughs> That's the city prepared for you. You know I love golfing. And I get on certain golf courses, and I'm like, man, this one's real nice. And I'm out there, and no joke, I'll be talking to the Lord. Lord, 
Oh my God, thank you so much that I get to play this chorus. This is gorgeous. I mean, the smell of the grass, it's immaculate. It's PGA tournament course. Thank you, God. And I literally feel, this is what he flashed in my eyes a few years ago. All of a sudden, I saw the disciples in Matthew 24, and the scripture says this of them. It says that the disciples came to Jesus to point out the temple buildings and all of their ornaments to him. And the first words out of his mouth are, guess what? You see those beautiful buildings and all those ornaments and all the glory of these man-made structures? You see that? Yeah? He says, not one stone will be left on another. He says, you don't even understand. I'm going to point you to Revelation 21 and wreck your lives. And he did. And I felt that flash in the end. I'm like thinking through it on the golf course. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm glorying in something temporal. And I need to stare at the eternal city a little longer. I need to be moved by that day. There is something far more glorious coming than a PGA tournament golf course. There's something more glorious coming than the city of Boston. And I love Boston. I, I'll never, it happened again in my conscience, walking with my wife through Boston one day. I'm looking around saying, yeah, this is such an awesome city. I love this place. And da 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 And I'm like, that's that. And it's not like a sin. It's just, it's a paradigm. It's like, do not settle for temporal beauty. Do not settle for the cities of the earth because most of them will lie in ruins one day. And we could say, whoa, that's intense. And it's false. No, that's all through the scriptures. Listen, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth which will never pass away, but this age will pass away. The rulers of this age are coming to nothing. By the way, you look right now, they're coming to nothing. None of them know what to do. And if they do, they think they, think they know what they're doing. It's really wrong. <laughs> it's evil. It's false. It's wicked leadership. It's all coming to nothing. This is serious. If there's something glorious coming, I'd go on. But for the sake of time, I'll wait till next week. So, amen. Lord, awaken desire in me, in us. Open our eyes to see the promise. Open our eyes to see the future. Lord, open our eyes to see our homeland. Open my eyes to see the coming of the Lord in all of His glory with all of the angels and all of the saints. Let me see what these men and women saw. Give me conviction of it. Lord, I want to be grounded in these two principles. God, I just want to go deeper in this. Lord, just scratching the surface and sometimes it's just so frustrating. i, I got to see more. I got to see more. I'm not going back. I, I, I refuse to. It's been two years turning the other way. And Lord, we turn the other way right now. We face you. We face your great love the day you marry us who love you, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord, we, we live.